This week on Amazingly Terrible, we're watching The Legend of Sarmati, Siegfried and Roy, the entire miniseries. The magic is back! <laughs> I knew you were going to say that! Yes. I knew you were going to say that! <laughs> You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast that is cluttering our culture with nonsense. My name's Adam. Uh, I'm David. <laughs> what? My name's having connection what? issues. I'm Mike. <laughs> and I'm super fucking unprepared Derek. Yeah. 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 So the behind the scenes bit, uh, Derek was supposed to be summarizing this week's episode, but we are now punting it over to Matt because Matt is the most inebriated of all of us at the moment. Yeah. He is I the feel good like I Sumerian. I feel like I've grokked it, you know? <laughs> I feel like I I'm it. Robert Heinlein, like, walking, you know, high as shit through a 1970s San Francisco, just, like, grokking the shit out of stuff. What's a grok? Um, it's a kind of, it's like a, a kind of pet rock that was yeah. popular. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, um, it's like a pet rock with a griffin's head on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it sings. Just like... Hey Adam, you don't know how we took like two years of German together? Oh yeah, I do. You, you're a fan of community. I'm a fan of community, yes. So you know how when uh Chang got fired and they brought in a real language teacher? Yes. They brought in that a was kinda like teacher. year three of German for me. Oh seriously. Frau Sch was uh she left year three? And then you actually had to, like, take a real German class? Yeah. Yeah, she, she would only teach, like, two-thirds of a book at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So her plan was by the end of year three to be finished with book two. Yeah. So year three, we come in, and we have a teacher who's from Germany. Oh. And she wants to teach the German three book. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that's... Uh... God, she didn't show us any music videos. Oh, <laughs> they, you didn't have to do like a whole report on Millionaire? No. Okay. <laughs> wow. Somebody was phoning it in. Um, um, Frau Sch was notorious. Let me rephrase this. She hated me and my sister. Because we had I mean, actually lived deservedly. In, well, everybody hates us, yes. But we actually lived in Germany. So like we had some first-hand experience. But we would also, both of us would play pranks on her, where we would, like, unplug some of her appliances. We basically gaslit her, both she, both my sister and I, wow. at various times. And she would consistently replace, like, boom boxes and overhead projectors and TVs. And, like, even, like, hold up class because suddenly the TV's not working because I was just slightly unplugged. God, I'm an asshole. I don't know. I don't know. No, I lied. You are. <laughs> but you didn't know that you were gaslighting her back well, then. Well, gaslighting wasn't so... really identified as a thing back then. So, so yeah, you're totally innocent. Uh, statutes of limitation. <laughs> yeah. Right. If there's no name for it, it's not a crime. You are guilty of being a dick. That's what we used to say back then. There we yeah. Go. Yeah. You're just, you know, a really, really big dick. We have no laws to fit your crime. <laughs> Somewhere in between a dick and an asshole, like. Like the taint. Like the taint. Yeah. You, okay. you're, All right. Oh, it's definitely like a little tainty. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. We're moving on. But, yes, uh, so it's very appropriate that we're talking about uh, German language teachers since both uh, uh, Siegfried and Roy were German. 
were they? Oh, God, that was the yeah. horror. Siegfried Fishbasher. His name was Fish Fish Badger? Basher, Basher. Fish Basher. And uh, Uwe Ludwig Horn. It was Roy Horn. Oh. And they're both German-American magicians and entertainers. Both Siegfried and Roy were raised in Germany before moving to the U.S. Hence their... Um, yes. Accents? Accents, yeah. Well, in this like one, in, in, only Siegfried has an accent in this one. Well, it's because it, they didn't actually voice the characters in this. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. No, they are not the voices. So they got did they professional just get royalties or what? Like, did they just use their name and trademark? Yeah, they well, licensed the name. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm they, sure they had the name and and like the some of the like they should be like producers or something. Yeah, they they I they definitely got creative control because the end of this uh, under the credits, it's just a, a series of shots from the Secret Vernon Roy show. Yeah. So the best Siegfried and Roy history fact that I came across. So Siegfried was the older of the pair. He was born in 39. Roy was born in 44. They actually met working on a ship called the T.S. Bremen, which was an ocean liner in the 50s, 60s time frame. Anyways, they were hired to be like one of the entertainment shows on it, but they were fired because they brought a live cheetah onto the ship without telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, and for our next trick, nice, here's nice. An, a wild African animal. <laughs> and people were like, well, wait, what the fuck? You're done. Cheetahs are pretty easy to tame. You just cheetahs are allegedly, yeah. Yeah, allegedly yeah, they're, they're closer like to dogs cats. than they are cats. And they're a lot slower after you break a back leg. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, they're fired they're fired off this ship and then one of the competing cruise lines looked into like they were like, Holy shit, these psychopaths are bringing fucking African predators on the ships. They were hired. Once they were hired at uh in New York City, eventually they moved their way out to Vegas and then they became essentially the cultural phenomenon that they were. Mm-hmm. Nice. And they were big. I mean, like pe- people oh, yeah. knew they were about fucking this. huge. They were they were like the Circus de Soleil of pre historic times yeah i'd say like <laughs> 80s 90s vegas you're you're right like if you went you know yeah. now it's like you tell anybody from your mom or grandparents you want to see a good show go see cirque de soleil you know yeah, and everything yeah. else from there is is kind of like what you're into or whatever like Siegfried yeah. and Roy was the show to see in vegas for at the time you know. jesus 20 20 30 years like they were huge good, good, good. The magic, the magic is back. Is back. <laughs> Let me tell you how thin that catch line didn't get. Man, every time. <laughs> it's magical. The magic is back. It's back. It's back. Where did it it's go? Back. You well, haven't we'll watched it at that. all, have you? Yeah, we haven't. We'll get into that. <laughs> no, Mike has seen zero of this. I've you're, seen Mike, really four minutes. Out. I've, I've seen four minutes and 20 seconds of worth. Uh, of then it. you know the entire plot. <laughs> kinda. You kinda do. <laughs> it, is, it is simultaneously transparent and empty and complicated. I mean, it's, it's, it's a conundrum because it's incomprehensible, but it's also very simple and stupid. Yeah, like like I said, it's just a shitty game of D and D. 
It's oh. like D&D, but worse. Let me it's, tell like you D how... it's like the most banal game of D&D you've ever played. Right. It kind of feels like there's a few scenes missing. No, it, oh, it definitely yeah. feels like there's like a lot of scenes missing. Oh, there's a lot. It, of... like, it, it literally is like, oh, all this shit just sort of happens to you and you just have to accept it. And that's the plot. Yeah, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of glue that didn't get put into this. <laughs> that baggage. didn't get applied. Yeah, but how do you like what? How do you even write that? Like, Siegfried crawls out of alley, looks at Tiger, skips scene, go to forest. Like, I mean, the best way to do it is to be three or four people, mm-hmm. and, and all then, have ADHD. Yeah, and then all each take a bit of it, and then never talk to each other again. And then just, and, just cram it all together. And yeah, then the yeah. director, yeah. Takes all four pages, puts them together, one on top of each other, and yeah, it sounds legit. So, fun fact, this actually was the muse for season eight of Game of Thrones. Uh, (laughs) Little known fact that... uh, Lies. Including the part where, uh, to showcase how it is a shitty game of D&D, they come out of the fucking city or tavern or whatever the hell they're in, and there's two giants who literally roll dice at them. (laughs) So let's get into it, fellas. Let's get let's, into that Roy. Let's roll that beautiful Roy footage. Yeah. Let's get into that Roy. All right. Let's so, get on to Let's keep it in, Roy. in good taste, fellas. Let's get it on, Roy. This nope. one this one is complicated, ladies and gentlemen, and Smiz Mars. So bear with us. Or tiger with us. <laughs> yes, tiger, white tiger with us. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yes, please keep doing that, please. <laughs> so we open uh, with the name of the show, Siegfried and Roy, Masters of the Impossible, which is not the name, as we understand it, of this show. Then they show a short series of um, fairly nicely painted backgrounds. Still shot, so. Yeah, but pretty much. We pan over them a little bit. A magical, mystical, exotic world. Do you like these drawings? Good, because you're going to see them hundreds of times throughout the course of the show. <laughs> over and over again. Do you like the concept art? They Good. They tell us briefly that this used to be a magical land, except a titan flew through and stole all of the magic, and now they live in a magicless dystopia. Then we cut to a scene of Roy and his white tiger running through some sort of forest into a big grassy field. And, And we also do get the title card, the second title card drop that's the actual name of the show. Which, yes. Which is Siegfried and Roy, the legend of Sarmati. Yes. And Roy trips, and we see he's dropping a book, and we get to read the name of that book, and that is Tales of Sarmati. So already we have three different names for what the fuck is going on here. But I do like the idea that he he's essentially running around with a book that would be like a book that we would run around with today that was titled The Tales of Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah, this is like when I go into a, a, a diner here in New York and I just plop down my New York guidebook right on the counter. Yeah, or your your Legends of New York book, or <laughs> right. the Tales of New York. Yeah, my my, my copy of uh, uh, Gangs of New York. I just put it down. It's a VHS copy. 
And so, or it, or it's like wearing the the T-shirt of the band to the band that you're gonna, you're gonna go see. Yeah, but you're in the band. But you're, but you're band. also yeah. ooh, that's that's a that's a crazy plot twist. Yeah, and you went out and you bought your own merch. Well, I feel like this is an M Night Shyamalan movie or something. <laughs> so the, it's about a, that level. There are there are a few things that that I that I do like about the show. Uh, one of them is the opening where he's running through the forest and he jumps over this tiny little chasm. Village. That's, yeah. f- that's like filled with a village, a tiny little village of tiny people. We don't see the people, we just see the village. And he just sort of jumps over it, like no other mention to it whatsoever. Uh, so many, many things in this show are just batshit insane out of context and are never addressed at all for any reason. Yes. They're just like, basically this show, they spent a lot of time and money on all the wrong things. Yes. If if we do want to get into some opinions, we we were talking at various times and talking about how this is like a really bad game of D and D. It's like the most banal game of D and D because it crams every possible idea that a lay person might have about fantasy into like one undigestible ball. Yes, up to and including <laughs> like specifically named characters and IP that is completely unrelated. I really hate this because it's essentially the one universe theory of fantasy. <laughs> so it's pointing out the flaws of my previous attempts at entertainment with the show. So, you know, if, for me, it feels like it feels like it's like a D and D book where some of the pages got stuck together, and so you're reading one story and then it completely skips to something else. It, this whole show mm. just feels like a book with multiple pages stuck together. Mike, why? Why did? You, why did your D and D book have sticky pages? <laughs> All right. So Roy is being pursued by someone, and he uh, uses his mind powers to summon a falcon or a hawk or something. Maybe Jupiter. Who cares? <laughs> the bird flies down, and he tells it to just go ahead without him, and he'll catch up at the next town. Then he and Manticore hide, who is the the tiger is named Manticore. They hide in the grass, and we get uh, King Midas enters the scene. King Midas is actually, like, kind of a cool character design. Yeah, but he seems like a dick. He is a dick. Well, well, yeah. Uh, He's just a completely unrelated character that's actually fulfilling the role of who he is at large in this cartoon. This whole show seems like a whole bunch of side characters vying to be the protagonist. But no, like King Midas is, he's from a, like, he's he's from Greek Greek mythology. We've got a lot of Greek mythology in our medieval landscape. We've got a lot of Greek mythology. We've got a lot of, like, old English mythology. We've got a lot of, like, just just random mythology that sort of is crammed together. And the opening monologue was very Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. They're talking about, like, bubbling, uh, bubbling brooks and whatnot. Bubbling crude. Oh, that is black. <laughs> At any way, uh, King Midas, he's searching for the white tiger, which he calls a trance or something. Yeah. He, it's a trans animal. Yeah. Because it can change shape into other animals. It, or it used to be able to. And he wants to track it down so he can, quote unquote, use its power. His advisor, whose name is not important, He's the only at all interesting or likable character. I'm sure it's Merlin. Probably. Well, no, because I do mention Merlin 
oh. at a different time in, in the series as yeah. being like a, an entertainer, essentially. Okay. He advises King Midas that, that you know, this isn't the, the right course of action, but Midas uh, says there's still magic and he intends to have it. Uh, so he rides off on his uh, two-headed horse. Which also seems like a total pain in the ass, like the way the heads are situated. Yeah, they're not side by top. side. Yeah. No, no, they're so stacked on top, top of each, each other, other. With, yeah. their own, with their own necks. And they both have horns, so if like the bottom horse just like went Bucks. up, it would impale the top horse head. Yeah. They do that. Yeah, all the play. horses in this show have rhinoceros horns. I mean, all of them. First of all, yeah. no, no two animals or characters are alike. Are the same, yeah. It is insane. <laughs> I don't understand how anything in this in this uh, whole environment interbreeds because there doesn't seem to be like opposite, like opposite gendered or, or animal species. It's just like a whole bunch of shit's been smashed together. Maybe that's how they breed. They just sort of like smash together and then yeah, like yeah, form they just, two more of whatever they smash into. They just they're like, all they, like they use their suckers to find the other one's stickiest orifice and they just grind those together. <laughs> I love how the entire thing is that there's no magic in this in this world, but there's all kinds of magic shit going on. Yeah. Yes, there's still like a shitload of magic. Yeah, there's a lot of fantastic beasts. Yeah. Right. But there, there's still, like, a few magical things that do wind up happening, even though, like, there's supposed to be no magic. Because they even showed in the beginning where, where Loki turns invisible because he's, like, watching the whole, whole scene. Well, you know, the, the magic is back. Well, he's the, he's the titan that stole all their magic. Yes, yeah. Right. So, so presumably he still has his, yeah. Right. So this is a character that appears right after King Midas. His name is Loki. Uh, he is a titan. His design is fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. He looks like his head is a bullet, except he's got weird trunk horns. He has two sets of wings, both bat and feathered. And on in the middle of his chest is a gigantic pair of eyes and a nose that where his abs look like a muscle face mouth. Yeah, he's got nipple eyes, and yeah. uh, he speaks through his stomach. There is a bunch of character designs here where eyes are basically just in the wrong place. Because there's also the... I don't even Grendel. know what to call them. The troll. Yeah, the yeah. The Beowulfs. Yeah, they call them Beowulfs. They That's call right. them Beowulfs, and the, one of them is called Grendel. They got eyes on their backs. Okay, we got to move forward. At, at this point, we introduce Siegfried and his sidekick, Splits. Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. Stilts. <laughs> they are a pair of itinerant troubadours who put on a magic show. And they go and enter a, a seedy tavern filled with just the most batshit bizarre people, question mark? Yeah. Patrons? Possible. The best one being the bartender. Yes. yes. Who has a very recognizable voice. There, honestly, the there, were, there were a lot of times in here where I was like, I know that voice, and I know what it's from. They they hired, but I have no idea who it is. No, they hired really good people. I, I went through they the did. credits. Yeah, they hired top notch, like very traditional uh, voice actor credits. A lot of them are on Futurama. Are they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Siegfried has a run in with a mysterious woman who wants to find real magic, and Siegfried just uh, assumes she's a groupie and that he'll see her after the show. And this is when we get the hint that uh, Siegfried is actually not an actual magician, but rather like a close-up stage magician, yeah. like he is in an real life. An illusionist. So. Well, there's no magic, you know. Yeah. So at that point, Roy stumbles in 
Uh, he's stolen clothing and hidden uh, manticore in Siegfried's wagon. And he also meets the same mysterious girl and finds out that she's randomly the princess for no reason. Yeah, of course. And she warns him away of, of going to the Oracle. She says, don't go there. He says, but there's magic there. And he says, she says, just don't do it. She has an amazingly 90s hairdo. She I don't does. know if anybody noticed that. <laughs> like, yeah. she, she doesn't have the... Tra- everybody's got the traditional, like, fantasy trope, long, flowing Jamie Lannister hair and fucking braids and stuff. And she's got the Rachel. Like, yeah, she <laughs> She looks like she yeah. just stepped out of Aeon Flux. You know? No, she definitely oh, yeah. does. Oh, she yeah, does. definitely. There's a scene, I think it's where she's talking to Roy, where they do, like, a close-up of her face while she's talking. And I feel like that was actually the absolute best animation for this entire episode this entire series i guess you could say <laughs> and the series actually has some pretty decent animation to it well like it's, it's not necessarily good as drawings it has good drawings i don't think it's well animated because i'll get into that okay i 100 percent agree with you matt i think the the ideas the design the the character i guess you could say models the environments are all awesome the animation is shit yeah well, I'm, I'm comparing the animation to Wildcats. Because to me, Wildcats I, was kind of like a, I, the bottom I didn't rung know what our experience uh, thus far. What our, what our baseline was. Yeah. Yeah. Was. yeah, yeah. It was Everybody knows well. you com- You always compare Siegfried and Roy to Wildcats because uh, technically... <laughs> because technically, one universe theory. No, because they had Wildcats on their show. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, They've got tigers. No, oh, actually, okay. uh, Siegfried and Roy are legally owned by Jim Lee. Oh, really? Nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. He he like bought the life rights before they uh, before they passed. He bought their bodies. Oh, he, he right. invested well. his money well and just bought a whole bunch of shit. So <laughs> I, I believe that he just bought their their stage show. Right. Because <laughs> he, he loved hanging out in Vegas. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. At, at this point. Uh, the king comes in and demands, offers a reward to find the white tiger. And that is the moment when Siegfried and his sidekick decide to start their stage show. And they're doing, you know, the typical uh, uh, white rabbit routine, except they're using the chest that has Manticore in it. He changes position and Manticore appears on stage, driving uh, everyone to uh, uh, excited reactions. Wait, does this mean that Manticore ate that rabbit? Yes. That's the reason why Manticore jumped into the chest so quickly. That's because there was a rabbit in there. Manticore was just going in to eat it real quick. We never see the rabbit. Yeah. Nor do we see Manticore eat. So I think we assume that he did, yeah. Yeah. We, We do get the classic trope, though. At the beginning of this whole scene, the king offered up some cash mm-hmm. for the uh, for the location of the white tiger, and Roy grabs the cash and throws it in the air and yells to everybody, "Get your money!" Yeah, this and is that, that creates the, the big tussle that allows creates the chaos that allows them to escape. You're right. This is right after the Manticore is revealed, so the king is blocked because everyone, of course, is running to grab uh, you know a few coins. Instead of say aiding the king, which could you know set you up for life, especially the guy with a with a cloak full of sprites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, he I just opens that, it up. He's got those fucking fairies everywhere. Those little things would we constantly rub in my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just like the fact that he uses them to just, just steal random things all over the place. So, yeah, they're, they're trying uh, to just grab coins as soon as they see them. Yeah. The princess seems to cover their retreat by running out and telling two tr- two giants that she bets her horse that they can't roll doubles. So two giant dice bash against the entrance to the tavern, and no one else can get out except for Siegfried, Roy, Manticore, the princess, and Still Stilts. Still Runtskin. Still Runts. Still Runts, yes. Still Runts. Uh, these bunch meet up, and Roy is uh, not doing well. He seems to be injured. They mount up and head off to the Cave of Secrets, because uh, the princess has told them that they'd be safe there. Indeed. And one of them is riding a six-legged horse, the other one's riding a another rhino horse that's gigantic. And uh, this is when we get the chase scene where they, where they do wind up running into a dragon that comes out of the ground. But as we're going through the whole chase scene, we keep cutting back to my next favorite random character. And yes. that's female Cobra Commander. Yes, who rides a giant, basically Koopa, like yes. a, t- a, t- a winged tortoise, <laughs> like, like an ankylosaur, with spikes, ankylosaur, yeah, yeah. winged ankylosaur. Yeah, everyone in the King's Guard is like his eyes wide shut. Uh, Masks, yeah, <laughs> right. We do meet a dragon, but it doesn't. There's really no point to talk about it. It is a momentarily obstacle that just wastes our time. Yeah. Like most of the random things that happen in the show. <laughs> Back at the tavern, there's a confrontation between King Midas and his daughter, in which it's revealed that King Midas is mostly a, a dick because his wife left him. Or yeah. was, or possibly was stolen by the Titan. Or possibly was smart and just got the hell out of there. And we also get to little bit, know a little bit about the princess, King Midas, and King Midas' son, who's been kind of on the periphery. That they seem to the, they seem to be kind of on the outs with each other. Although the son um, is is still helping King Midas uh, with his weird quest. We cut back to the cave. <laughs> Roy's not doing good. He's laying down for some reason. But don't worry, he'll get up in the next scene for absolutely no reason. He and is certainly he hurt, better. But now he's he keeps, not. He keeps talking, like, even at the beginning of the scene where he gets into the city, he talks about how he needs to get food and healing herbs or he's done for. And he yeah. doesn't get either of those things, and he's fine. So, yeah. But this is the scene where we find out that the book, The Tales of Sermati, is actually a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And it's full of clip art that we saw at the beginning of the show. Exactly. It is a very strange book. It doesn't seem to have any sort of consistent art style or even like a consistent form of media. Sometimes it has pictures, sometimes it has words, sometimes it has videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like a book from Mist. So what it really is is it's their MySpace page from uh, 2005. Right, right. And yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so the Sarmati or Sarmati or whatever it was was one of their associated acts. I don't know if that was a show that they did where Sarmati was, you know, this this fantastic mm. world that they would draw magic from or whatever, but that is associated with Siegfried and Roy. Hey, listeners. Did you know that Sarmati was an acronym? We didn't. Sarmati stands for Siegfried and Roy, Masters of the Impossible. And now, back to the show. 
I did so, not know that. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah. So, so this it was is like all their li- their licensed property. This is their Disneyland. I mean, pretty much. Like when they were like the world of Sarmati, I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And then looked it up, and I'm like, "Oh, it's one of their associated, you know, associated things." So, so it and masters this, of the impossible and Sarmati are right. their their two names. So at this point, they hear someone approaching. So the advisor and the princess run off, leaving just Manticore, Roy. And Siegfried, who's been tied up and captured by the king's son uh, because he was turned in by stilts. Mm. Yeah. So they are uh, they're captured relatively easily because the tiger is not good at being a tiger at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then very quickly, we suddenly cut to a massive gathering. Hundreds of people have gathered around what we later learn is the Oracle, which kind of looks like Stonehenge. For some reason, Siegfried's whole accoutrement and the cart is there, and they, despite being captured, no one is guarding them, and so they concoct a plan for how they're going to get out. Using some good old-fashioned up-close stage magic. Right. And they proceed to do a magic show, besides the fact that they've been captured by the king, to dupe them to be able to run off. But Siegfried has not correctly measured the explosives, and he's stacked them all in front of the door of the Oracle. So the... uh, Magic is back! The magic is back, literally this time, because the Oracle explodes, and uh, four uh, malignant entities come out. And the character designs on these... Honestly, Again. kind kind of good. <laughs> They're super fucking weird. Yeah. Again, super weird. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, uh, very interesting. They are greed, envy, pride, pride. and yeah. then power. Is it power? I, I thought it was just sort of, and manticore spirit. Yeah, basically <laughs> uh, another tiger comes out. But this and, one has a horn. Yeah, and they're like, that's it? Manticore, that's your spirit, and once you combine yourself with that spirit, you'll be you'll be magical again. Yeah, you'll be so touching you, their magic side. So uh, basically, Manticore runs off to do that. And narratively, this is the end of the first part. Yes. Oh, it is. Okay. The, the story is actually logically divided into three parts. Even oh. Though there, even though there's like re- there's references that it was somehow divided into four. Well, yeah, there are four thought, episodes, was, three, three I, parts. I thought it was four episodes. Oh, wait, okay. so this is all seamless? There's no uh, opening and ending credits or anything? No, no. This no. is all one horrible... I'm although they do sure. have flashbacks to previous parts yeah, of the yeah. of the series. Oh, there is a fair amount of flashback in here. So I think that's the, the kind of the cause of this disjointedness is a lot of times when... Uh, a show broke for a commercial. It was one thing, and then when it comes back from commercial, it was a completely different scene. Yeah, the, the classic cliffhangers to keep you coming back, and then but without that break, like that physical one second break that most uh, shows add in, even when they're doing like the video playback, the, your brain can connect that. Oh, the reason why these scenes are different is because it was a commercial break. But if these are seamless uh, transitions, then our brains are just wondering why are these all. 
like different. Mm, I think it's just garbage, Mike. Yeah, I think it's just really bad writing. What it would have to be is that the show continued when you went to commercial break and you just missed all of that because you were watching commercials. Yeah, that is what would make oh, sense. Oh, I like so. that idea. Yeah. yeah. Like you miss like, you know, four minutes of the show and then you come, it comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, four well, you minutes know. of commercial break? Well, commercial break's <laughs> really four minutes long? They were. Wow. Okay, well, the Hulu ads are one minute and 30 seconds every four minutes and 30 seconds. Good <laughs> night. <laughs> Good it's, night. It's taken commercials like to the extreme. I got through two this... episodes of Rick and Morty, and I'm like, I can't take this. These are 20-minute episodes, right? 20? You, you, they, know, we, 20 you know we could do. 23 and, and a half. half. 23 and a half, and it took me... It took me two hours to watch two episodes. You know what you could do, though, Mike? You could just pay for the premium Hulu service. I thought Hulu was the one that still showed you commercials even if you paid. Just no. fewer commercials. Even the premium, they still show you limited ads. It's complete bullshit. All but right. yeah, I have too many other streaming programs, so I'm just getting regular Hulu. It's bad enough that I have to pay. <laughs> Money. <laughs> it's better enough that you have to pay to get entertained. Yeah. For so, all that see, artwork well, that people it's make. Just, the, entities, the entities escape. I'm not going to talk anymore about your goddamn <laughs> streaming services. Uh, the entities escape, and Siegfried and Roy are recaptured. We just yeah. have to listen to what you're talking about. So, I think out of all the entities, probably the best one is Envy. Who mm. is a weird bull creature with wings mm. and two heads for boobies. Yeah, yeah. And, I need the to... way it works is it, it, it gently nestles your head in between its boobies so the boobies can talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, each one whispers in a different ear. Yeah, a good yeah. angel and a bad angel, except they both say shitty things. Exactly. And right now they're doing that to the king's son. Yes, and this is the first of a series of, I don't know, seductions or possessions. So, possessions, yeah. Yeah, so um, Envy possesses the son, uh, corrupting him and telling him that he can take over the his king's, the King Midas's kingdom. And then Greed, of course, possesses King Midas. And this is where we find out King Midas's, um, his motivation is that he wants to possess things that won't leave him like his right. wife did. <laughs> Right. So he wants to own things, and that's why Greed kind of zeroes in on him. Yeah. I, I liked Greed's voice. There was one point where he said, opulent commodity, and I was like, damn. Gold can remain yours forever. What if all you touched turned to that most opulent commodity? Nice. I love it. <laughs> he also has a very interesting color uh, character design in that he looks like a... A weird anthropomorphized brass instrument. Yeah, because he has like weird like the the like the trumpet fingering on his torso, and he's golden <laughs> or brass colored. Yeah, he does. He's a, he's a weird object. He's got like yeah. six or eight limbs. Yeah, yeah, and he and slides right into Midas's mouth. Great. Yeah. Uh, so now we uh, we cut away and we have pretty fucking confusing scene in which they seem to be executing uh, Siegfried and Roy by sending them into a burning tunnel or a burning uh, mine of some kind. But they see that there is a trap door in the prison cart that they're in. And that's when Siegfried realizes it's his own cart again. 
and he escapes by hiding in the trapdoor, and the cart rushes back out of the mine, and it's revealed that Stilts is the driver, and they've pulled a fast one. But the uh, the princess does see that his cape is uh, attached. Or hanging out of, rather, yeah. the compartment that they're hiding in, yes. And then this is the first introduction that we get to a Beowulf called Grendel. He's some sort of underground uh, shit goblin of some kind. Yeah. He's enormous. Almost looks like he, a weird chimera thing. Yeah. he, he has of. He has giant uh, eyes on his shoulders, on the back, on his shoulder blades. And he threatens the townspeople who run away. Yeah. And apparently these, uh, these Beowulfs, which is the species, they tend to... They have the ability to uh, burrow very quickly underground, essentially. But all of this is witnessed by the king's son. Yep. And Lady Cobra Commander. Still the best character. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's pretty badass. Never talks. <laughs> the princess the princess has a very special power, and that is to basically be in any scene she wants to be in, despite yes. like any sort of logical <laughs> any, inconsistencies. Exactly. Any distance she has to travel, suddenly she's just there. Right. Suddenly she's just in the scene. She, it's a pretty good power. It's kind of yeah. like you're just, you know, like, do you want to be in the plot of this? Okay, I can just be what in the plot. So Siegfried and Roy are having a fight. They don't like each other. Princess comes up and says that she needs their help to, uh, I don't know, I, who the fuck cares at this point? Yeah, I gotta tell you, the uh, first and second time I tried to watch this, this is when I fell asleep, so. Yeah, oh, yeah this, this, <laughs> yeah, the, the second third is where the plot starts to really fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Right, because previously, now let's be honest, it, it runs like a goddamn freight train. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I, I was like, what it was going on? Yeah. Well, it was all set up. Now they actually have to start doing like, things consistent with what they've set up. That's yeah. right. Except for from this none point forward. None of it fucking like, makes sense. Really, no. Yeah, I was just going to say, none of the setup really pays off. It's more just sort of like random series of events happen to you for no reason. And then suddenly there's a resolution. Yeah. So now suddenly we are uh, on a raft, I guess in the catacombs under the castle, I think in which the princess says that she would do anything to mm-hmm. uh, rescue her father or, or, or help her father, even marry somebody, and yeah. which is, like, kind of a weird thing to offer. Yeah. And yeah. Siegfried perks up at this yeah, concept. Sieg- he's and like, Sieg- ooh, the perfect beard. Yes, please. <laughs> kind of, because he's, like, he's not excited about marrying the princess. He's excited about, like, the career advancement he could get out of marrying the princess. Oh, yes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So they go up into the uh, castle, and we get a scene, a flashback scene, explaining that King Midas has been possessed. And then we get to see the um, side effects of that, and that is that King Midas can't eat. Everything he touches Mm -hmm. turns to gold. He pulls out a a lumpy, chewed-up piece of gold that he's been snacking on. And the townspeople, for some reason, are mad at him and yelling, so he climbs up into the window. And at that point... Uh, Siegfried, gold. Yeah. yeah, he's cleaning. He's he's turning all the frame of things into gold. Um, and at this point, Siegfried, Roy, and the princess come in. He turns around and falls from the window, touching touching his darling, precious princess daughter, and turns her into a massive golden statue. Slowly, <gasps> though, everything else he touches like turns to gold immediately. Oh, his yeah. daughter, who he touches with both hands, slowly turns to gold, so she can scream or. 
say something or do whatever the hell it is that creates pathos. So right, drama. That's why drama. At this point, he combines somehow with greed into some sort of like super entity, which yeah. is basically the king with a tiny little horn on his nose. Yep. And Siegfried throws down a smoke bomb, and they escape because they're not good at their jobs, and they don't have night vision at all. Yeah, and for some reason, all these entities are really concentrating on trying to get Siegfried and Roy, even though they don't really have a motivation to do so. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's absolutely no reason to go after them. I think at this point in time, even uh, Manticore doesn't even have the Manticore spirit inside of him. So it doesn't even make sense for them to go after Manticore at this point. Yeah, I mean, Manticore isn't even here. Manticore is apparently just running around chasing the spirit this whole time. Yeah. So Siegfried and Roy uh, somehow meet up with the advisor, and he has the book of Samarti. And in that book, they start looking for a cure for turning people to gold and also a cure for people who have been turned to gold. And they zero in on... (laughs) logically just the closest location to where they are where there might be magic (laughs) and it literally is that it's where there might be magic the closest location where there still might be some sort of magic left in the land right but but be careful because there's a medusa yeah they they find out about the medusa on in route to this where they're because they're reading the book and roy also uses his psychic mind powers to contact manticore and he finds out that manticore is actually trapped there as well how what a coincidence that's just some kismet shit right there in route to this magical fountain they have a run-in with another bail bail wolf grendel's mother angelina jolie yeah, and damn, she's got some. She's got real some problems. problems on her back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has real problems. It is revealed that uh, she wants to eat gold, and there's a, a minor kerfuffle while he's she tries to eat Roy's brooch, and Siegfried saves him, and they leave his Grendel's mom just uh, chomping on the brooch. Yep. That's when they arrive at the this magical fountain. It's in a, a massive cave on the very tippy top of a mountain with a huge waterfall falling out of it. And they go in and discover that Medusa lives there. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, which they knew because they read about it in the book. Yes, yeah, so they said that Medusa was... Once a very beautiful woman in Rumpelstiltskin gets very turgid from this description of her. Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin is... They treat him like shit, but it's kind of okay because he's terrible. Did somebody say Rumple Foreskin? Someone did, yes. That's what we've been saying. Did anyone else notice uh, Wow, you only had one eyebrow? Yes, and it switched mm. sides. Yeah. <laughs> oh, does it really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I noticed that happened at least once. Yeah, he, mm. I also noticed that they draw his teeth differently in different scenes. Sometimes Every he time, has yeah. like dozens of individual teeth. Sometimes he just has a white wall. Yeah. So Medusa at first, she's a, she's a, a beautiful woman, and then she gets mad at them, and she turns into a horrible snake monster. And they... I don't know, run off and hide. They seem to have some sort of plan. That they don't tell you about. Yeah. You just notice that Jupiter, the bird that sometimes that Roy sometimes calls, 
has like tiles over his eyes so he can sort of fly around without looking. Yeah, he's got blind. It's supposed to be blinders, I think, the way you'd cover like a falcon's eyes. Yeah, but I think they were trying to show that they're like mirrored blinders. So they'd like right. ricochet the, the glare of the Medusa in some fashion. Right. But um, as with all the scenes in this show that show any sort of action, it's a hot goddamn mess and yeah. basically incomprehensible what's happening. It's just confusing as hell, really. Also, yeah. the fades from scene to scene are weird because yeah. yes. it makes you think that it's still the same scene, but it they did a weird but like Star Wars smoke. wipe. Oh, yeah. yeah. All yeah, of the fades are smoke. really a lap. Yeah, it's like, like a smoke fade. But if there's yeah. like any face on there, their eyes will stay after the fade. I'm freaking out. Again, a lot of time and money and spent on the wrong things. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like a new effect that came out that they wanted to spend all their money on. So, Yeah, they could have at least paid for another eyebrow. That's seriously <laughs> annoying. <laughs> it was probably just that one animator. He's like, oh, no, I only do one eyebrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's his signature move. Yeah, that's his. That's his deal. Well, I think I think this I think this actually might have been one of those like missed notes that the uh, writers sent to the Korean animators. They were like, "He has a unibrow." They're like, "What does unibrow mean?" Just one eyebrow. Just one. He eyebrow. just has one eyebrow. <laughs> that's weird. You're right. Yeah, it's got to switch sides. They com- kind of combine their powers. Roy tells Manticore using his mind powers to uh, pull down the entrance to the cave because he's changed to changed to one of the stalagmites. And light floods in and stilts reveals a mirror and the... God damn it. The, fucking, the Gorgon. Uh, looks into the mirror and his own her own powers affect her. And she turns to stone, but it also seems to turn this fountain of water to stone. But they manage to capture yeah. some water in a canteen. And uh, I do have to correct you, Matt. Oh, great. Um, Thanks a lot. <laughs> it was not a stalagmite that uh, Manicor was attached to. It was a stalagmite. Oh, well, technically, it holds actually, on tight to the ceiling. Technically, if you look closely, the mouth of the cave, which water pours out of it, <laughs> is the, it is the mouth of a large cat. And it's actually it's the tooth of the cat. It's a, it's a chiseled tooth from the ceiling. Ooh, yes. it's a right. canine. Yeah. Stel, it's a stalag... Never mind. Stalagnine? <laughs> it's a stalag-ing thing? Anyway. Fang, Something that doesn't tight. make any sense. So they have a, a, can, a canteen of pre-rocked water. That's magical, apparently, for some reason. Yeah. Mm. Apparently this, he, this water is magical. Even though they haven't tested it, they haven't proven that it's magical, they just know it's magical. Because reasons. That's it. You gotta believe, man. Magic's about believing. Mm. At any rate, they head back to town, and uh, they find that the town is under attack by Grendel. He is causing a ruckus in the town, and there's a big fight with the town guards who are on flying mushroom animals and two-headed dragons and all kinds of different creatures. They manage to get through it and get up to the castle. I do like the animated scene where they show the townspeople fighting Grendel. That uh, the townspeople actually seem to be like setting a bunch of shit on fire. Mm-hmm. To try to scare Grindel, and Grindel just puts out the fire with like 
kegs of mead and like water and shit like that. So it really seems like he's trying to help the townspeople. Yeah. It's more like, hey, I'm being here scared and menacing, scary and menacing, but uh, you guys need to stop setting your shit on fire. What's wrong with you? Great. This is not how to fight a fight. Well, it's revealed later that this is all an act. Yep. He is attacking the town on orders from the... The prince. Envy, from the prince. Envy-possessed prince. Yes. Siegfried and Roy break into the castle. Another shot of Cobra Commander. <laughs> they, they break into the castle and uh, fight King Midas for a brief second and then manage to get, get him a little mouthwash of the water and that seems to destroy the or expel the greed entity yeah and then he runs around just touching things and making them regular instead of gold and he has really just a lot of time to touch his daughter he has the reverse minus touch yes yeah but yeah yeah and he has ample time to to resolve everything but there has to take a few dramatic beats first right and that point grendel bursts in and grabs the statue of the daughter they have a huge fight in which he throws all the heroes off of him, but they safely land on strategically placed pillows all around the all around the throne room. And then he breaks out of the wall of the castle and escapes off into the woods. Yes. And I think during this whole scene, we also see that Rumpelstiltskin does steal a golden, a apple. golden apple before the king had a chance to turn it back to normal. Right. So at this point... Siegfried and Roy set off to chase down Grendel so that they can get the princess back. I don't know why. They, you know, she doesn't seem interesting or even very nice, but they seem to want to have her because of plot, I guess. And an easy fix for that would have been Siegfried being like, oh, I intended to marry her because she said that we could get married and I need this for my career. But instead, they say nothing about it. And they just say, oh, we have to go get her. For some reason. Plot armor. we're good guys, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, we have a brief scene where the prince buys something called a seeker from the creepy guy who has pixies under his clothes. And the seeker is one of the... The seeker feels very D&D. It is yeah, bad shit insane. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a little mini beholder almost that yeah. has like biological means of creating a psychic connection. So. Yeah. And it puts uh, four suckers on your face, and then you can see through it. So he flies around with this Seeker and finds Siegfried and Roy, and basically like starts shooting fireballs at them. From the they... Seeker. Yeah. So, so the Seeker really is like a Predator drone, and it's probably one of the most useful weapons that they could be using in this world. Yeah. And it's just like used for a few minutes, and then kind of like a throwaway uh, yeah. mystical thing. So. Did you guys see that article about the the fact that they were going to create like one of those? They're going to create really small drones that have tasers on them, just a flying taser. I did not see that, but it makes it, sense. Yeah, just fly <laughs> into your house, just tase you, and fly away. <laughs> just it's like this even, episode. It's not You're even going to be programmed out. to yeah, do just anything. Gonna roll it and blast your ass. Right. That's it. It's just programmed <laughs> to like tase anybody he comes across. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then go back to Taze Base. <laughs> well, it has to recharge, right? Yeah, so. get its like, new Taze put in. Put a small solar panel on the top. I'm, I'm assuming these min- the day. I'm assuming these miniature Taser flying Tasers are just going to be like they're going to have like 500 or so stationed at every school in the U.S. to right. take care of uh, 
active shooters. Actually, that's a really good point. Like, if you if you put a solar panel on the top of it, it doesn't even have to return to base. It just like will latch onto a roof or land somewhere people can't see it, charge up and keep on going. They could have drums, entire drone swarms on our rooftops, and we wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. It could be flying everywhere. I also like the idea of like these these taser drones are like finding pre-existing uh, solar panels that are out there and essentially just sort of like tapping into somebody's electricity yeah. on their roof just to like mm. suck the electricity and yeah. then fly in and tase them real quick. They're I super, like this idea. They're super like, evil. Yeah, fuck you for having solar panels. Tase. Yeah. <laughs> you like you care about the environment? Tase. <laughs> you think you're, you're off your the grass? grid? Tase. You are the grid. Oh, um, you got a gas lawnmower? Bzzz, fuck you. <laughs> you tell kids stay off your lawn, tase. Playing with uh, a super you didn't soaker, shovel tase. your sidewalk. Kids on the lawn, tase. People outside, tase. People inside, tase. <laughs> You're gonna get a tase. Never mind. I'm not gonna make that joke. <laughs> All right, but we find out Siegfried and Roy uh, have fallen into a cavern from the oh no, the force of the blast. And Random they, cavern. Yeah, they go about exploring this cavern and eventually happen on Grendel and his mother. And we've discovered from, guess from Roy's psychic bullshit, that <laughs> the mother... Yeah, his psychic maybe. bullshit supposed to be just, like, attached to the tiger, but as this goes on, it's just whatever the fuck well, they want. It's just it like any like, animal yeah, or animals. mother. Yeah. yeah, or mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we get another flashback here explaining to us what happened to the princess mm-hmm. and we're also we also learned that the mother is uh, she has a condition Sick. where she has to eat gold well or it she seems like they, Ill, yeah or... it seems like they both eat gold and Midas's touch is somehow removing that gold and yeah not explained at all it's just suddenly either Roy or Siegfried I don't even remember which one I think it was Roy basically says Oh, there's a mystic thing that's happening that's removing the gold from your land. And it's this the King Midas's curse. And it's like, when was that explained? Well, How I is think that just never. now happening? I mean, so. I think it's very interesting, actually, if you think about it. Like, he, he doesn't actually possess a, a power that tr- transforms things into gold. He has a form of teleportation where... Anything he touches is teleported into a gold vein, and the corresponding volume of gold from the gold vein is teleported to where that object was. So, actually, deep underground, the princess is suffocating in a vein. I love this idea, and I also love the idea that like King Midas's touch is essentially the the killbots. If he if he if he touched a, if he touched enough things, eventually he'd suck all the gold out of the world. Yeah, and then he wouldn't have to worry about the curse again after that. He's the uh, yeah, he's the Ice Nine of uh, of, <laughs> of of Greek stories. Grendel <laughs> captures them and ties them up, and they plead with him, but he says no, even though he knows that he's about to like kill and eat a a, a, a sapient creature. Uh, he's like, "Fuck this! My mom's more important." But Stilts cuts through the rope. They escape and throw the remaining water on the princess, and she magically transforms into, Hooray! I guess, a half-suffocated, claustrophobic, <laughs> insane princess who's been underground for hours. Yeah. This is when she has a psychotic break. And, Was yeah. it just hours? It felt like 
It was like days that went by. Yeah, it, it felt does like feel days. like days. Yeah. Grendel uh, freak, freaks right the fuck out and goes berserk. And while they're all running out and trying to escape, they're surrounded by falling stalag <laughs> mites. <laughs> Grendel's like, oh, a woman, I can't eat this. Disgusting. <laughs> they give him the golden apple as a peace offering. And he says, I don't think it'll be enough. And then they never talk about it again. Yeah, exactly. There, there's even, I think at some point in time, a promise of bringing all the king's gold that they were promised for finding the princess, which yes. they never actually go over the fact that they were promised gold from the king. They just are, it, it almost seems like they're just sort of making assumptions at that point in time. Right, um, that they're going to get gold. But, and they said they're going to bring gold back to him and never do. Literally, it shows them loading up the gold and putting it into their cart or rubber silk skin, like walking it to the cart. Obviously, not wanting to take it to the injured Beowulf. Right, but they do have they do have a legitimate reason why they don't, and that is because when they arrive back at the castle, the prince takes over. Your favorite character rushes in uh, along with the other guards, and they right. uh, capture the king, the princess, and Roy and Siegfried, and the prince assumes the throne. And our next scene is Siegfried and Roy strung up. And being tortured for... Are they being tortured, or are they just sort of... Well, I know they're like hung over a chasm or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. Something. But Siegfried seems to betray Roy here and tells the prince that he has a magical robot. Tiger. tiger. Yeah. <laughs> and the prince buys this. And this is the opportunity for them to do another magic show at their favorite lo- their favorite theater, the Oracle. The Oracle, yes. And uh, I do like that. I actually really did like this bit of character building for Siegfried, like him showing that he's like more of a pragmatist when it comes to all these things and like willing to rat out anybody. Mm-hmm. Especially since like he doesn't really know Roy from Adam. He doesn't know shit about Roy. They just met, literally. No, right? Roy was just like some sick dude that showed up. And, yeah. in like, fact, this is not like a friendship that's lasted 50 years at this point. No, it's just some random dude who's like, I'm sick. Just Yeah, Roy is actually yeah. the one who behaves most rationally. He was like, I don't really like you and I don't trust you. It's Siegfried that's like this weird, like, like oh, I'm, I'm connected and I'll do whatever oh, right. I want now for you. Let's be best friends. Yeah. And roommates. Siegfried has and some sort of emotional Have a love for problem. tennis. <laughs> and tigers <laughs> tigers they were roommates and best friends guys for 62 years yep yep they, they died were. hand in hand because they were that good of friends oh that's actually really sweet yeah and I, i'm pretty sure they died about a year and a half apart anyway they they do a magic trick where they seem to duplicate and summon manticore's spirit animal because i don't know somehow manticore's back now who gives a shit manticore's but, back and the Back prince again. rushes up and 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 demands that he uh, <laughs> that we hand over White Tiger and its spirit, uh, even though they have disappeared. And he rushes into like the magical box that they are using to display this illusion. And that's when it's revealed that they're made out of oracle stones, the only thing that contains spirits. And it's kind of like it is. This part is actually kind of cool. It's like a magical box, and they slide in a lid over the top of the magical box, trapping the envy entity in the top box and the prince in the bottom box. In the bottom box, yeah, basically separating them out completely. Yeah. 
So, and, and they do all that with the help of the Beowulfs, the Beow- who, are, who, who are now friends of theirs, I suppose, for no reason. And at this point, the two uh, tigers, I don't, I can't even remember. They're, what do they call it? A, a trance? Trans- I think it's like a transshifter. Transshifter? Yeah, yes, I think it's transshifter or transitor. What I kept on hearing was transitor. I think at some yeah. point in time, somebody does say a changeling, but it's just, it's it's nonsense. It's just nonsense. He's so. it's basically a MacGuffin. I, I'm a, yeah. I'm a giant tiger MacGuffin. I'm a magic MacGuffin tiger. And as soon as they are joined together, that's when Loki reveals himself. He's been hovering in the background, pulling the strings and manipulating things this whole time, and he bonds with uh, all of the remaining entities. And shoots a lightning bolt down, freeing the uh, envy entity. So now he has all of the envies with him, and he traps them in some sort of bubble. And he is now all powerful for some reason. And and this is like the first time that we see that he has this weird ability to sort of summon any type of mythical weapon of sorts. Because he he pulls out a bow and arrow, and it's like some sort of specific character's bow and arrow well i think he's stolen all the enchantments i think these are the enchantments that he's stolen okay. from the world i gotcha. guess i don't know but it's it's I, I i don't know what's called but he he has this bow and arrow he uses it to create a leash that goes around manticore and contains mm-hmm. manticore's power and he also has uh bacchus's staff and then later on he pulls out cupid's bow and arrow so there's just like a bunch of random times where he just has random mythical weaponry that belong to like gods and supernatural entities. Yeah, he's so. got like he's got the the inventory of Kid, Kid Icarus and Link, you know. Yeah, it's just yeah. every uh, he's got the hook shot. He's gotten all the pieces from all the levels. Yeah. So he, I don't know, like creates a vortex. And uh, is sucked up into it, and Siegfried and Roy, of course, rush up, and they are also sucked into the vortex. Don't they all know that they're going to the magic realm, like they're going to whatever the name of this realm is? Inland. Inland. I'm not sure why they didn't call it Asgard, but uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. They're going to Inland for the for the last third of the show. Yeah, or, because or the Inland appears elevated. to be filled with the Greek gods. In other random and big flying penis rocks, so. and 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 let's be clear, like it has been batshit insane up to this point, and this is when it gets just incomprehensible as to what is actually happening, and yeah. who wants what as for, and for what reasons. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Basically, it comes down to Loki wants to steal Zeus's wife, who happens to be King Midas's ex-wife. And then kill Zeus and take over Endland. And that's like his whole deal. Yeah, he wants to become like the most powerful Titan. And he like now has the ability to do so because he has all of... Because he has got pride, envy, lust, sloth, whatever, all tied up in his balls. I feel like the, the characters are like if you did a Mad Libs and it's like... (laughs) <laughs> yes, actually, this is exactly what this fucking is. It's a fantasy it, it, Mad Lib. It's Mad Lib. It's like, okay, so you take a, um, let me see. Insert Greek mythology. In, insert exactly. Greek god um, walks into a bar and sees, insert Aztec mythology. Yeah. 
interacts with insert Grimm's fairy tale character. Yeah. It, 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 even the tiger is named Manticore. Everyone has these weird old names except for Roy. <laughs> well, yeah. that's yeah, exactly the, the right. titular exactly. character. I mean, Sixth who's honestly? Really let's let's weird. be but upfront. Yeah. Roy is honestly the most likable and interesting character on this show. He's the most normal. Yeah, he's yeah. not <laughs> some sort of fucking <laughs> like the only thing unusual box fucking with his traveling magician. Yeah. Yeah. He just he can talk to a, a cat that would ultimately eat his face in two thousand three. That, that's his, his only his <laughs> only too weird soon, things. man. Yeah. Too soon. I I mean I do that with my cat all the time. In the hopes that it'll do you ask eat my, your yeah, cat? Yeah, that it'll look at me when I die. <laughs> do you ask your cat to talk into a microphone? <laughs> so, at, at Loki defeats Zeus. For I mean, has there's some sort of curse that makes all the everybody uh, get sick. Yeah. For some and, reason, Loki could put all the gods to sleep. Or all and the titans he, to sleep. And he, he steals yeah. the queen. He sucked all the magic out of them the way that he sucked the magic out of the mortal world. Yeah, he's oh, a real magic sucker. And how did he do that? And he, and he steals um, the queen and leaves. That's it. He's just like, I'm out. And I guess he goes, I don't know, somewhere else? It somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- that really does not matter. But yeah. the weird thing is, is like uh, both Siegfried and Roy see the queen and they say, oh, she was kidnapped 18 years ago, but she does not look like she's aged today. Like, yeah. they know what she looks like and who she is. And that's when they say something along the lines of how time passes differently when working with the gods. And then that never comes up again, ever. So there was absolutely no reason to say that she was still looking young. Yeah, I was, really, so, I, I was really hoping they would, like, come back to the moral world and it was, like, 20 years later. Yeah, that's yeah. actually what I was hoping for, too. No, <laughs> yeah. nothing makes sense. Why work. would they do that? I just think it was, like, an excuse not to have an old woman in the show. They were like, yeah. uh, I don't want to draw an old woman. But they didn't even have to. They could just draw her the way that she was and just leave it at right. that. And she, she looked fine. She looked like <laughs> yeah. an adult woman. Uh, anyway, so Zeus does, agrees to help them and puts them into a cheesy ball effect. And they fly yeah. off chasing Loki and end up at, at the final showdown. Now, the final showdown... I have no fucking sense. clue what happens. I really cannot explain yeah. the series of events. Of those ball effects. For some reason, Loki's able to put the entities into balls and then use their magic powers through the balls, but then he releases them from the balls, and then he gets sucked into a ball with all the entities, and then he comes out of the ball super-powered, but yeah. then all of that doesn't matter because at some point in time, Ripple Stiltskin gets the staff of Bacchus and is able to use that to separate every all the entities and destroy them. Or it doesn't make any sense. It's incomprehensible. Yeah, the, the, these balls are 2D images wrapped on a 3D object, which means they're using 3D rendering, which is another... Like super advanced technique for the time. Well, it's another expensive thing yeah. that they're doing and putting the money in the wrong place. Right. Yeah. As opposed to paying writers. We talked about it earlier. Their scene transitions are CGI. Very, very yeah. obvious yeah. CGI. Yeah. So they're spending yeah. all their money on like smoke effects and stuff. It was expensive mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, like, super super expensive. expensive. It was like it was like twenty dollars expensive back then. <laughs> long time ago, um, <laughs> back when bread was like thirty cents a loaf. 
Manticore Manticore has bonded with the Force Spirit. Manticore attacks Loki, defeats him, consumes all the entities inside the, his body, and then for some reason that releases all of the enchantment and that flows out over the over the land and all over the land, all over it uh, like <laughs> giant it drip down sprinklers. Siegfried and Roy, uh, along with the Queen, are transported back to, to inland. Uh, against against Zeus's wishes, because Zeus wanted to keep the queen, but yes. then they say no, we're going to take the queen with us. And this was after they already made a deal with Zeus that said he well, was Zeus going offers. To... The, yeah, Zeus offers to give them back all the enchantments for the uh, for the mortal world if they'll leave the queen. But they're suddenly like, oh no, we you know for no. this is our friend, this person yeah. who's had zero lines of dialogue. We we have to take the queen <laughs> with us. And when he was like, oh, you're going to take the queen. Well, good luck waiting the few years for all the enchantments to come back naturally. Yeah. And it's like, wait, the magic was just going to come back anyway? Then what the fuck are we even doing here? There were no we stays and nothing matters. No stays ever. 15 exactly. minutes of television. Yeah. That, nothing. Uh, sums up our childhood. Nothing I matters. Got nothing else to do. Nothing matters. Let me just watch cartoons yeah. all day. Yeah. So so then Zeus doesn't sends matter them all what back to the, to the mortal realm, to Sarmati. And then once they got back to Samarti, for some reason, the tiger explodes. Yeah. Manticore <laughs> appears to explode, destroying all of the entities as well as the Oracle. The Oracle Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of back at square one. Manticore is separated from his wild side. And somehow manages to survive the explosion by transforming into a tiger cub? Cub, yeah. Which he then transforms directly back into a normal aged Adult manticore. Tiger, yeah. Right, so. and, but he's still in danger, so Roy has to, uh, you know, his driving force has been to try to save manticore. So, oh, did I not mention that in the beginning of the show? Yeah, that's apparently his sole motivation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So they're back, and Siegfried and Roy and Stilts team up to... Uh, go hunt down to the power magic. spirit or something and yeah. king midas and the queen and the prince and princess are happily reunited and that is the end of this batshit fucking crazy show it ends with <sighs> siegfried and roy riding off into the sunset while roy is reading his graphic novel mm-hmm. and rubble stiltskin is chattering non-fucking-stop to siegfried you know the the ending to this is so soothing kind of like how good it feels after you take a really massive shit and it's just, just like oh it's over speaking it's, of it's giant over. massive shit it's, it's done what do you guys this think is like, you've, dropped, you've dropped your dookie off at Mount Doom <laughs> Mount Doom <laughs> it's over My it's done <laughs> My how fucking yoked is their horse that is the uh, most jacked yeah. fucking horse I've ever It's like ever a rhinoceros. Yeah, it's like it's like a rhinoceros yeah, horse. Yeah, it's like, like that horse, horse does nothing but like D-ball and bench press. That's it. Yeah. I, I bet he doesn't skip leg day. Well, only his front legs are rhinoceros legs. Yeah, he only he only worked out his front legs on leg Well, day. wouldn't those be arms? So then, yeah, he is actually only doing upper body. Wouldn't those be arms? Yeah. Jeez, you're, you're so human-centric. Gentlemen, what did we think of this? What did we learn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know what's funny is, like, the whole, I watched about half of this, and then I had to punt it to you or whatever. I'm really glad you took that description because 
I think I was I was just kind of enamored by watching what we talked about earlier. Was like uh, it, this is this is a weird fucking group of buddies D and D game personified. Like yeah. these characters are they're great. The character models are great. The story really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're in the middle of just pounding beers and playing D and D. And I was just like, oh, this is cool from an adult perspective. But listen to you talk about it. I'm like, yeah, holy shit, this makes zero sense. Like, there's so many plot holes and plot armor and convenient plot points. Like, oh, here's this thing. And uh, let's just never talk about it again. Just happens to show up and then it goes away. It's a train wreck. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, gorgeous train wreck. But boy, is it a mess. It is attractive. Like, they've spent a lot of money on character designs and everything stays pretty on model. They had some, like, pretty cool effects. But, oh my God. The. It's just the it, storytelling aspect of it is just it's a hot fucking it's everything mess. in the kitchen sink and, and they don't spend any time <laughs> no like, developing a character or having I, emotional connections it's just it's just craziness on craziness all the time I seriously was enamored by the like the character models like this show did sorry going back to it but like the horses looked like horses but they weren't horses you know what i'm saying like they did everything unique and it was really well done oh yeah they were boy every single character in this show like including like every crowd crowd scene every scene of people in the bar they all are completely distinct different weird creatures yeah it's like an incredible amount of work actually this would make a great portfolio but uh... oh yeah like somebody's art and one of the artists that was working on this mm-hmm. show, this would be something great for them to actually have on their uh, resume. My my biggest thing was in that they were trying to include pre-existing stories and storylines and pre-existing like mythology that did not connect to any of the other mythology, and they just sort of were cramming it together. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's what made it like one of the most, as I mentioned before, one of the most banal, like a, a D&D game of D and D. That's ever. like the most banal one that you could possibly make because it's like, oh, I'm going to include all of this pre-existing intellectual property that doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah. or stick together or anything. I like that we're going to play D and D, Harry Potter intellectual themed. property. And I do appreciate the fact that uh, this is coming from the guy that was running the whole yeah. one universe theory constantly. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I did like the visual effects. I did like the like even some of those side characters I mentioned. The female Cobra Commander, I loved her. I also loved the bartender who had like mm-hmm. a tentacle and crab claw and other random things for. And did he have one four of his arms, arms? Three arms? Yeah, he 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 had one big arm on one side and then like four little arms on the other side. They came out the yeah. other side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the four little arms were like one was a snake, one was a crab claw, one was a tentacle. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was very interesting. In, they in just, that yeah, they just, everything has had to have more everything on it. Yeah. But there was also like no substance to it, you know? Like, like it was like oh, the yeah. characters were cool and everything, but there was like no substance to the story. There was no substance to anything going on. The we fact didn't... that like they, they called the creatures Beowulves. Naming them after the story Beowulf, <laughs> yeah. like that—that's so stupid. <laughs> the, the, there's there's that. two giants hanging out inside the back of this bar. Yeah, yeah just standing there. Yeah, and they're standing there for that scene. They're never. Th- th- there's no reinforcement anywhere 
yeah, oh, this is a town that has giants in it. They're or, never oh, seen there's again. There's no backstory. Yeah, yeah they just... <laughs> yeah. And, and they even have them, like... They have, like, this meaningful look towards one another once they did the one thing they did in the episode. And then... Nothing. And it wasn't it wasn't necessary. They'd already kind of explained yep. how it was possible for them to escape from this scene. We didn't need that at all. Yep. It, it, anyway. Just like we didn't need the fact that the the queen didn't age. It was like, okay, there's right. absolutely zero payoff for you telling us that. Yeah, like why I, why do that? So I got I got one question about like where we were talking about essentially the D and D Mad Lips and and whatnot. I'm very curious if because it it showed up in the in this this movie miniseries whatever we want to call it a lot with the whole like taking other cultures kind of mythology and putting it into the show. I wonder if that was a kind of a cornerstone of Siegfried and Roy's show in Vegas. It could have been. Like I wonder been. if they were like, hey, that. we deal with you know the mysticism of all these ancient cultures, which would at, at least for that part of it explain it. You know. Yeah. I feel like put, all, of, all of the meaning stuff of was, yeah. is Greek mythology. Like all the characters are Greek Greek mythology characters. All this, all, you know, all the the stories. The like the entities feel, you know, like well, the entities, Christians. Yeah, Christian. the entities are are Christian. Seven sins. deadly sins. Yeah, but there's only yeah. three of them. Why well, did they choose those three? Also, there's four of them because there's the four horsemen. It's all Greek to me. And if you watch right at the credits, where it gives a little like a live video montage of their show. I mean, they're fighting a dragon in one of their tricks and all this yeah, other stuff. Yeah. So I would imagine that they're dealing with, you know, classic culture mysticism, which would just explain that part of it. There's a whole bunch of other batshit stuff in here that is not explained, but I'm just saying, you know, why is Beowulf here? Why is it King Midas? Why do we have, you know, a Gorgon? Like all that sort of I think stuff. they deal in like pop mythology, right? Like the yeah, the, yeah. the greatest hits top top 40 of the the mythological stories because they're like oh yeah everybody will get this this is good for yeah, a I mean, the story's stages. been around Casey for Kasem 2000 years with the mythology <laughs> top 10 <laughs> Casey Kasem playing down your hits coming in at number 5 we've got King Midas's golden touch <laughs> would King Midas really be number 5 probably yeah. not I don't know. Oh, I mean, he, he does. I mean, it's the most, charts. Like, it the changes every recognizable. week. That's true. That That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, coming well, we discovered num- more mythology. We added Coming in. in at number one, we got Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That would have been awesome if they just had Jesus. Jesus out. showed up. Holes yeah. in his hands and all. Like, just like, oh, hey, uh-huh. guys, what's up? Hey, what's going on? My name is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. can, can I, can it doesn't, I crash doesn't even do anything. It doesn't even say anything. Just like, <laughs> yeah. hey, guys, what's going on? Hey. hey guys. Just pass it through. He's, hey, hey, Jesus. hey. What's going on? Uh, I just keep thinking about how both of these movies have a book in them that has the same title as the movie. This and Labyrinth? Yeah. I mean, yeah. At least Labyrinth yeah. didn't have a, like, iPad before it was an iPad. It actually had a physical fucking book. And this one, he's like, oh, yeah, hey. I mean, it's seriously the scene in Spaceballs where he's like, let's go watch a video. He's like, yeah, when is yeah. now? Then. <laughs> you know. That, yeah. that one. When they will then be self-aware. soon? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> a fucking classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such garbage. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the best kind of it, garbage. It's, 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 kinda, it's really kind of hard it's to... It's the garbage to, we deserve. To explain just how much of garbage it is, really. So, All right, faithful listeners. I mean, there is a lot of similarities, though, if you think just about... Just watch it. Yeah, if you think about Labyrinth and, and this, like, again... What like, is that liminal advertising right there? I'm just saying, I mean, seriously, if you want to if you want to watch something in the background for, like, pretty pictures and ignore no, the plot, this is honestly, it. No, honestly, yeah. No, no, if, you, if, you, if you do turn off the sound or you just sort of have it playing while you're yeah. doing something else or listening to something else, like, if you're listening to our podcast while you just have this playing on YouTube <laughs> muted, mm-hmm. it's perfect. I, I wouldn't recommend it either, but that's cool. I guess we can't vote on this because we just watched the whole thing. Mm. Now, yes. now, hold on, hold on. We just can a vote to drink enough to forget. There, and there is also <laughs> to remember. There is another television program that Siegfried and Roy produced. Oh yes, I like how Adam the is the ghostly Obi Wan to Yoda at this point in time. Like, there is another. There is, <laughs> there, like, there is another, yes. Like we're flying off in the fucking X-wing to to save our friends on Bespin. Totally dark Jedi's at this point. Uh, I and don't know. Ghost if, Adam shows up. If there's like, a there's another. If there's a chance that we could vote off the father pride, of pride, yeah, yeah father, father of the, of the pride. pride. I would. I should have eliminated it years ago. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Back in 98. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny. Back in 98 before it was released. Way back. Way back. Way back days. in 2003 when Roy was mauled. Oh, too soon. Too Dude, soon. Dude, he got... Oh, in 2004 that attack, he after. got fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It was he like had right a after, stroke yeah. on the way to the hospital, and oh, then yeah. they saved his ass. And the fucking crazy shit about all of it is when they asked him about it later, he was like completely in denial about it. And he's like, the only reason I didn't die is because Manticore was dragging me to safety. And they're like, yeah, literally by the base of your skull. You, you know why he's doing that, though, right? Like, that's, that's, that's that, that does not surprise me. It's actually him trying to protect Manticore, trying to make sure that, that they don't go in and put the cat down. It's so sad oh, when I'm, they're, I'm sure when they're in an abusive a, relationship a like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like it, it's I like as a as a formal animal trainer, I understand the the impetus to try to like cover up what actually happened and attempt to like protect the the animal. Did you ever do that? What did you do that no. with the wolves after they killed your coworker? No, no, no. Then I just gave them like a no. He he picked up the treat. rifle and shot it. Yeah, he, he <laughs> rolled up a newspaper and bopped them on the nose. It's like no, no. He, was, he was like. The release. fucking hunter in Jurassic Park. Shoot up. Adam did not yell shoot. shoot. He actually shot her. Shoot he was like, that's um, for my coworker. But no, I, I, for me. I totally understand, especially since like they were retiring the show anyway. They just wanted to try to like prevent any any like. No, I'm, I, I'm not to, like put down the cat. So I'm I'm sure there was there was a lot. There was probably insurance stuff there. There was probably yeah, sure trying to too. save the cat. There was also again probably this was their cat that had done the show with them for seven years, right? Yeah, like seven yeah. years of shows with this fifteen hundred pound animal or however big a fucking Siberian tiger is, no problems. And then one night it bites the base of your fucking skull. Like you survive, and you're like, well, shit, man. Hundreds of shows where we did the same trick. 
and he mm-hmm. licked my hand, and I gave him a fucking steak. And on this one show, like this isn't him, you know. And I'm not saying it's a it's a Stockholm syndrome thing. It's it's just like any. Oh no, animal. yeah, yeah. You that's have a what cat they say. Or a dog, and the... then that one attack, it just goes, and you're just like, that's not. Well, this, it. Yeah, that time this when I, actually, I yeah. snapped and I killed Dan, and then you guys all forgave me. Wait, is oh, that what happened to Dan? Oh, Damn man. it. He's dead. <laughs> Fuck. It's Son like they say. If he you, still owed me 50 bucks. If you, if you dance with the devil every night, one night the devil's going to come on you. Ugh, for Christ. I don't think she, that's what? the... the <laughs> you know what? David, keep that in. You gotta. You have to keep that in to teach him a lesson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep keep Mike's bad joke about the devil roping your ass in the fucking podcast. Yeah, you know what? He's you never gonna shame learn. Shame me because I don't watch. I don't listen to these. So he's never gonna learn That's, until our entire comments feed is just this. Yeah. So the so this was actually a really big deal for for me because I was actually uh, working as an animal trainer at the time when this happened. When Roy was attack. uh, was attacked, and um, we we had like multiple meetings about it. We actually had like one of the things we did after this is we like went in and like wrote in multiple places across all the break areas that we took that uh, behavioral consistency does not equal predictability, and to just like mm. try to continue to yeah. remind ourselves that like despite everything, there's still wild animals that we're working with. So be prepared to, you know, have to. Get the hell out of there on a Get the fuck out of there. Exactly. So lay down the law. Right. Yeah. 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 Bite their ear. Mm Mm-hmm. So but it is interesting to hear some of the accounts from uh, some of the other animal trainers who were on stage with Roy when it happened. So and they're just talking. One of the guys actually said that it was a hundred percent Roy's fault. Yeah. Like he he was the one who had said that Roy on the reg was not essentially respectful of the animal. Yeah, and that there was like some some issues with their relationship. Yeah, he time. pretty much said that this was a ticking time bomb. Like yeah. Roy was not. The, who knows? Maybe yeah. he saying, hated Roy for whatever reason. You're saying that Roy didn't have like a psychic connection with Manticore? No, despite all of his best efforts. Uh, I mean, despite this documentary we just watched, no, I don't think he did. Yeah. He he lost that psychic connection once he came back to Earth. When he was reading the Tales of Earth, mm-hmm. the graphic right. novel written by Neil Gaiman. Ooh, yeah, good, good point. Mm-hmm. Even though he he spent years trying to cultivate that psychic power again through some extensive social media work, I think. Okay, social media work. There we go. To to reconnect with the universal subconscious uh, to get yes. his animal psychic abilities back. His, uh, it uh, just didn't happen, unfortunately. His core source book. His core source book. His Roy Player's Guide. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what what level do we think Roy is? Oh, now? Uh, um, thirty. <laughs> There's no thirty in D and D, dude. You, you um, think he maxed out? Dumb. Well, he was he was a Palladium character. That's the issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know what? Yeah. I am a poser. I actually have played D and D once. What? Be- because uh, <laughs> I-, I don't know some crazy guys you that I hung out with. Had a fucking character in our game. <laughs> yeah, you showed up multiple times to games, Mike. Oh, well, I was thinking we more we back. did a standalone D and D module <laughs> where we played overpowered characters at your beach house because that's what you requested. Oh, oh in so all in awesome. all fairness, that wasn't D and D. That was. Um... Oh, was that Pathfinder? No, 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 no. Was no. Such I... a world. That was Dungeon, Dungeon World. World. That was Dungeon oh. World. 
I'm not talking but, about the past present. I'm talking about the like the the past the past, past. past. Yeah, like, I like back when we were D&D. high schoolers. Yeah, well, I played advanced D and D once. Uh, well, advanced D and D. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking yeah, about edition. my selective memory. Yeah, they they liked White Wolf more, so they drug me into it. Well, were you there when we were playing over at uh, David's place with uh, Eric and uh, Ted and Ian? And, I uh, only we got the deck of many things. At Dan's. At Dan's, you played D and D at Dan's. No, I never played D and D. We played uh, White Wolf, Changeling. White Wolf and, uh, you know, yeah, we Ritz. played Changeling. Would you let your children watch this? Fuck mm, no. Probably not. I mean, really? <laughs> do I care? It was shitty. But it was pretty. Now I, was I would let Kung Fu video games, and she was watching me today. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> I would let my non-existent child watch the spin-off female Cobra Commander series, mm. where she's just sort of a badass protecting the king at all times, and just silently kicking ass left and right. Except for that one time in this episode where she betrayed him. <laughs> That's right. Details. 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 <laughs> Uh, how about uh, you, Mike? Little boy, little girl? Would you let them watch this? Mm, if I caught them watching this, I would roll my eyes and say it's better than <laughs> half the sh- stuff that they're watching now anyways. It's better than Spider-Man's. <laughs> they're, they're watching the YouTube videos of SpongeBob SquarePants, but only the amount that they, like the the legal limit that they're allowed to show a clip, which is like, I think, seven seconds. And so... Ugh. They just watch SpongeBob SquarePants in seven second increments of each episode. Jeez. I mean, but SpongeBob's great shit. You know, I've never actually watched a full episode of that. SpongeBob was good. Everyone Sp- some of it's it. pretty fucked up. It, it oh, is. It's like the SpongeBob is like you, you come back and you're like, oh, that's totally like adult. SpongeBob is kind of like Ren and Stimpy 2.0. Like, it definitely skirts the line between, like, children's entertainment and, and much more mature. Mm-hmm. But it always frames it as children's entertainment. And so that's why it just kind of it continues Blends to stand in. as you become an adult. Yeah. Blends in the background. I wouldn't let my kids watch it either. Yeah, it's trash TV. I don't give a shit. There, there was nothing that really turned me off on it. Nothing that really was like, oh, my God, you got to watch this. Nothing turned you on either. Huh? I just thought it, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty and it was cool. Like that's yeah, kind of well drawn and animated. I mean, well drawn, not animated. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you for uh, doing the summary tonight. Mm. Yes. My yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for jumping on my shortcoming. No, unfortunately, it wasn't on scheduled, so you don't get the redemption. That still goes to Derek. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's fine. Derek, no, I'll punt the, I'll punt the redemption. I'll I'll donate it to Matt. Nah, I'm donating it to David. How about one of you pick something and the other one has veto power? Cool, we can fight. Oh, let's just wow. get rid of fucking whatever this shitty ass show was which one that's not on the list anymore is it it's a one the the Siegfried and Roy one the, the bomber like, uh, father of the pride yeah 
That's, a, that's on the wait list. Okay. Yeah, just fucking punt that shit. Get rid of it. It's already on the wait list. Yeah, it's already it's already on there. It's already on the. Door. Can we like banish it area. off the wait list? Can we like nope. can we have like a ban list? Wait list? Nope. nope. God damn it. Can can we do like a negative uh, <laughs> wait for the random index? Yes. Nope. Like can can we say that we've watched it five times already? Oh my god. Nope. <laughs> oh, I I've discovered a new power. Can can I just delete Gundam Seed? <laughs> what? You can send it back to the wait list. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Do it. So, for reverse retcon. We want cartoons 26 hours a day. Reverse retcon. Everyone's favorite. Let's do it. What is index 377? 377. Rounding up or rounding down? Rounding For the next highest. 380. Mighty, Mighty Max. Max. Nice. From 1993 to 1994. I remember episodes. having good, uh, I good memories of that cartoon. I don't yeah. remember this cartoon at all, actually. I remember it. Yep. I remember it. I think mm, the fake. Mighty Max toys were like miniatures. They were like Polly Pockets for boys. Mm. Ah, gotcha. Yes. That's what I remember. Polly Pockets. They did. Boys. I looked it up. They came in like, Bolly like monster heads. Oh, did they? Yeah, so you, you you know, Polly Pocket came in, you know, girly shapes or whatever. Oh, right. These things were like, I don't know, like 50s sci-fi B-movie monsters. And yeah, then public domain. Up, and then you had your little... Yeah, then you had your little Mighty Max dude and all the, the standard shit. You had a couple of action figures that you could put in there and, and play with and whatnot. Yeah, they were like dungeons, kind of. Yep. Okay, what episode are we watching? Number three. <sighs> oh, shit. Early in the run. Episode 3 of Mighty Max, Blood of the Dragon. Well, it's a good, good Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Blood. Dragon's Blood. Oh my god, alright, we're, we're devolving. Who, who, is, who yeah. is going to be presenting Dragon's Blood? Jeez. Well, it might be Derek. <laughs> Holy shit. Might again. be Derek. Excellent. Fuck. I, I need I need a redemption after <laughs> Mike tonight. Be Santa. Fucking screwing this one away. <laughs> oh fuck, I am up. I don't know why we're laughing oh. at this. Did you actually roll Matt and then they just swapped us? No, I rolled you. Matt and I just oh, shared a mind fine. meld. I know. <laughs> because Adam and Matt already has something in the pipe, so you're yeah. heavily weighted. No, that's fine. Never mind the fact I'm doing the entire X-Bomber series. Yeah, so. never mind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah never mind that you might not actually be able to do a summary of it. We've done, no, it's all good. We've done several, Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, we do understand that this show was so bad, so go check out our other podcast. Whatever <laughs> we decided we, to name uh, it this week. We review a show that's delightful, inspiring. Delightful. Should we do a Marin Close Oh, yeah, where he's no. like, uh, where he's like, oh, no. God, oh, I'm so anxious. Uh, but, you know, oh, go live your life. I, I really got to go shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. <clears throat> For wonderfully horrible, I've been Starfire. For amazingly terrible, I've been wonderfully horrible. For amazingly terrible, I've been Mike. For amazingly terrible, I've been David. 
I'm just Derek. See you guys next week. Uh, see you, Derek. Bye, Derek. Come on. Oh, goodbye. Wait, what are we doing next week? Oh, shit. We didn't do that thing. Hold on. Next week on... Next week on Amazingly Terrible, we'll be watching King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Again. Episode 1. Opening kickoff. <laughs> and on a future episode of Amazingly Terrible, we'll be watching Mighty Max. Episode 3. Dragon's Blood. Ooh. And I promise, next time... I won't decide to start watching satisfying videos at the end of the podcast and not pay attention to what I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> what satisfying videos? Sorry, guys. Here, here. What, kind, like, of sa- what yeah. kind of satisfaction are you getting like, from these videos? The, the one hour oddly satisfying video that relaxes you before sleep and calming music meditation. Is videos. that the title of it? <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the, the fucking, I'm, I'm trying uh, to search for it. It's the, like, people doing random projects that look kind of cool amazingly terrible is produced by david and adam music by josh woodward send your email to monotonously terrific at amazingly yeah have your tiger spader nudity yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do we? Re- I mean, do we really want to spay and neuter a Siberian tiger, which is an endangered species? I don't think so. I think we should clone them, Done. and then set up like I think a we park should, where we you should could have like courage. Stray Siberian tigers rolling around. At any rate, magicians. We should encourage Siberian please, tigers. Please fucking to, like, let me finish this cartoon. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! You can wrap this it's up horrible, in like a sentence. Ready? Uh, and then it stopped at the end and Uh, Derek realizes that he liked it for 45 minutes but Matt's shitting all over it at the end